podcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us, episode 727 of I Doubt It. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, a Brittany Page. I thought you were going to also say the fatigued. <laughs> I'm too fatigued to call you the fatigued. I mean, there's a lot of fatigue going around. It's not really fatigue as in, I mean, I think it does manifest itself in, like, lethargy. Mm-hmm. But, uh... I haven't left the house in many days, Mm -hmm. and I'm getting tired of, and listen, these are whiny problems because, you know, there's a real human element to the cost of the pandemic, but there are also other things that have happened that are just, like, unforeseen. You don't think about that being cooped up in a house and having not had a meal in a restaurant for over a year now. Mm-hmm. A year in like two days, I think, is the is the number. Today's like St. Patty's Day, isn't it? Yeah, it I is. mean, who knows what's happening? Yeah. The clock, it's like we're living on a planet near a black hole mm-hmm. where time has just come to a grinding halt. Yeah, I'm... I'm getting all from physics on you. Yeah, well, and I... <laughs> and I like how you said that you recognize that some of these problems... Well, you don't have COVID, yeah. You are not dead of COVID. You haven't lost someone close to you from COVID. So you can recognize that you haven't been touched by the pandemic in ways that other people have. You haven't lost your housing. You haven't lost your job. You yeah, yeah, haven't sure. struggled financially. Like all of those things are things to be grateful for. It has been tough to continue existing in the pandemic times with all of the stress. I recently heard someone refer to someone they said um this this person was really afraid of covid was how they put it and i wanted wanted to say oh you mean afraid of the virus that has killed over half a million americans in a year with masks and social distancing and the economy shut down were they being a dick that saying virus? oh i'm really scared of it they were talking about someone who was scared of it and yeah being a dick oh okay well that didn't convey i thought you you were giving someone shit because they were like i'm really scared of covid oh yeah <laughs> Again, the fatigue is making right. me a terrible storyteller. I'm I was sorry. like, God, that's really rude, Brittany. Yeah. I'm sitting here right in front of you. Well, no, but hopefully those things that I just listed out indicate that it makes sense that someone sure. would be afraid of a deadly virus. Of course. That has killed over half a million Americans yeah. in a year with masks, social distancing, and the economy shut. I mean, those things all together yeah. for all the people that try to act like it's not a big deal. So, and all the unemployment and the hunger. Yeah. But there is also all those intangible things that you don't think about, too. Yeah. And I mean, even sometimes when we prepare to do the show, we feel like, (laughs) I mean, it's been a grind. I'm still I'm still working full time. Thankfully, my job has not been affected. I'm so thankful to have it. 
and thankfully your job has not been affected. I know you're so grateful to have it. it it's still been tough to to go through and have the energy and keep up the uh, productivity levels. Yeah, you know, also, I feel... Um, I feel... D- I feel bad about how the closer we get to the light at the end of the tunnel, Mm -hmm. the more anxious and shitty I feel. Mm. Like, I should be like, ah, like newfound energy. Things are getting ready to be better. But instead, it's just compounding and it's not, I'm not feeling the way I feel like I should feel. Is that makes any sense at all? What do you think that's about? I don't know. It's, it's, it's like the, the joke about the guy who swims across the lake. It's like a five mile swim across the lake and he gets like 50 feet from the other to the other side. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm too tired. So he swims all the way back. Right. <laughs> That's it, how you feel. Yeah, I kind of feel like that. Like we're almost there and it's uh, it's too much. It's too arduous. It's too. Hmm. It, it, I feel like I said, I feel bad that I feel bad. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. I'm I'm. Do you I'm think, wore out, man. I'm really wore out. Do you think you will feel differently when you have the vaccine? Maybe. I don't know. I I don't even, I can't even perceive of or foresee myself getting, I, when is that? When's that going to happen? Well, I, when, by, I mean, by the end of May. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. To me, that seems like a lifetime away. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I guess I'm kind of complaining. Yeah, you're you're definitely complaining. You're definitely in a low place. And I will say it's surprising because this is not something that I typically see from you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. But, it, you know, it's... Well, and that's why I'm curious if you feel the vaccine will change your perspective. But it even seems like waiting on that is becoming a problem. What I will say is given how you feel, I very much respect that you are continuing to do the things that you're supposed to be doing in order to protect yourself, protect other people, you know, because in the midst of how you're feeling, how hopeless it is, I think that has been a primary motivator for people to just throw in the towel and say, who cares? I'm going to go do this or that, you know, I'm going to travel, I'm going to do the things that I want to be doing, and I'm not going to care about these public health guidelines. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm anytime I do leave the house, it's double-masked. Mm-hmm. When I walk out to the mailboxes, it's with double-mask on. Mm-hmm. If, if uh, I, I mean, if, if Amazon drops something off at the door, you know, if Jeff Bezos drops something off at the door... <laughs> I don't if I'm just stepping onto the porch, but it's uh, I, I'm still like that person or I'm like the opposite of that person. I actually am afraid mm-hmm. of the virus. I still and now with all the news of the variants and I, I, I because not, it's not just about me. It's if I get it, then I'm possibly, you know, I want to I want to protect other people, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's. It's a shitty deal, man. Yeah. It's, it's it's terrible. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and I'm sorry I'm bringing this energy to the top of the show. <laughs> so Listen, so, I can't sorry, do, everybody. I can't do anything to save it. And I can't... The thing is, we deal with reality on reality's terms here on this show. And so there's nothing that I can tell you to try to put a neat little bow on yeah. the situation and say, Jesse, no, 
Here's the reason for optimism. Although I will say the vaccines. That's are, what I try to do all the time. Although I will say the <laughs> vaccines are a reason to be optimistic. And I I notice that I feel more comfortable being out in public now that I have the vaccine. That's a question I should have asked you. That should have been my follow up to you is how has it made you feel? Well, you're in a dark place. So you're not thinking about other people. <laughs> um. Yeah, I have I well, you know, I have struggled. There have been times in the grocery store where we're shopping and at a certain point I just stop speaking to you because Yeah, I there's been many times where I think you're mad at me about something and it's just your anxiety is off the charts and you need to, because there's so many people or whatever. Yeah, and I need to just focus on what I'm doing and getting out. That's what becomes my focus. So I can't even really talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been a high stress situation. There's many anti-maskers in California. Uh, there's many people who are aggressive about it, uh, walk into the store and will intentionally put the mask under their nose. Yeah. Like just to make a statement. And I mean, after all this time, it's been a year. If you don't have a mask that fits your face and is comfortable for you that you don't need to rip it off every time you come out of a place we we get it we know the message that you're sending (laughs) we're aware i I, I used to feel well i don't like public comfort confrontation because there's there's only two levels of it it's either no confrontation or it's a real confrontation Mm -hmm. in, in with me i don't know how to modulate it and i'm getting to the point now where like i'm i'm not even like well just just ignore, just ignore. It, now it's just comments. Now I, it's saying something. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I, I haven't been in a position because I don't leave the house very much to have that happen. But you're getting more vocal. Yeah, well, I'm also, I'm feeling more comfortable, like I said, because of the vaccine. I feel more comfortable at work, which was also stressful for me. I feel more comfortable going in public uh, because because I'm vaccinated. But I'm still double masking as well when I go to work. When I'm for me in the grocery store, right for you, because I don't want to potentially bring something home. But I, uh, when I wasn't vaccinated, it was it was high stress being in all these different situations. So I I understand that it's it's scary. I wish there was something I could say. I would want to hear from the audience, anyone that has been vaccinated, if that has been something that kind of gives them hope makes them feel more comfortable, makes them feel like the end is coming, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Because for you, Jesse, it seems like you're having a hard time finding that light at the end of the tunnel. Like, when is this all going to end? When is this going to be normal? When can we go to the East Coast and have some lobster rolls and some fried oysters and uh, fried clams and like all kinds of tasty treats? You're giving everybody a a look into what our first trip is probably (laughs) going to be and where it's going to be. So those of you in Texas who were hoping that would be our trip, it's probably not going to be in uh, Texas. Right, right. Um, so, and that's a big thing. I mean, we think about the last time that we've had like a true break from working and that's the other thing it's like continuous work and and that's that's tough when you're also experiencing high levels of stress continuously with no break yeah so we get why you're feeling that way i'm speaking for the whole audience Uh, the audience gets it i'm well i hope they they do i hope they do yeah anyway we fucking love you guys thank you for tuning in thank you for sticking with us it's been a weird year. I mean, listen, um, early on, 
And it, now I could say early on in the pandemic, we really tried not to have every show be COVID, COVID, COVID. Yeah. Because it it was even fatigued then. For sure. And we, we still, to a degree, try to do that. But sometimes it's it's unavoidable. Yeah. One thing that is not unavoidable are sweet-ass segues and also listener communication. Wow. Uh, we've got some some voicemails, but also an email that we want to read. So let's start there. Hello, Jesse and Brittany, Popeye 2. After listening to your last two episodes where you discussed the now seemingly impossible minimum wage increase to $15, I had some thoughts pop into my head that I love to hear your opinions on. First, I know a lot of people argue inflation as an excuse to not raise the minimum wage. I personally found Radio Lab's podcast episode, More Money, Less Problems, incredibly insightful on dispelling this falsehood, and I think it would be very helpful to other listeners who want to get a better understanding of the high wages, higher inflation fallacy. They frame it in an incredibly digestible way, which was super helpful for someone who's economically challenged like myself. Second, which I'd love to hear your thoughts on, I know a lot of people argue that if we raise the minimum wage to $15, then workers who already make that amount will not see a wage increase. I was wondering what your thoughts were on industry award rate minimum wages. Here in Australia, the federal minimum wage is $19.84 per hour. However, each industry has its own set minimum wage. If you work in education, your minimum wage is roughly $27 an hour for a level one or entry level position. Level one would be a teacher's aide. Mental health is roughly $30 an hour for level one. Accountant is roughly $23 an hour. You get the picture. If you're under the age of 18, you make a lower wage unless you can prove you're independent. By each quarter, regardless of age, workers are given a cost of living pay increase. Do you feel a system like this would ever be feasible in the U.S.? After growing up there, it seems to me like it would be a good system to implement. It would cease a lot of this senseless arguing. But I have zero knowledge on economics and how an award-based pay scale would actually work in the States. Love the show. Keep up the amazing work. Steph. Well, Steph, first, thank you for the email. The thoughtful email. Secondly, it's so it's amazing when foreigners write into the show with these bright-eyed solution-focused emails. That's not how our system works. <laughs> our our system is political gridlock. They're not looking for solutions rather than actually debating the issue of of the minimum wage in America. Republicans are talking about fucking Dr. Seuss. While racial tensions were boiling over during the summer, they wanted to talk about other distractions. Donald Trump stands in front of a a church with, it's a Bible. They're not interested in actual solutions. And you know, listen, to a degree, even Democrats are willing to Like right now, and listen, I I don't want to bring my pessimism to the show. My rare, I believe, pessimism. Too late. But I I get a weird, bad taste in my mouth about Chuck Schumer pushing Biden to to do this $50,000 student loan thing as a, 
as a as a way for the Democrats to say, well, some of us really wanted it, some of us didn't want it, uh, and then it just goes away. Mm-hmm. No one really pushes for anything. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to. That's really bringing some some cynicism to the show. I don't want that. But it seems like sometimes things just fade away. Oh, we really tried. The majority leader, Chuck Schumer, really tried. But no one really tries. He hasn't gone to the White House. He hasn't sat down with Biden and said, listen, if it's not going to be 50, let's hammer out a fucking plan right now, brother. Let's do this. Australia, historically, famously, has actually solved national problems. Gun control. The problem of mass shootings was effectively eliminated in Australia. In one fell swoop, they took care of the fucking problem. While we are still saddled with the problem of mass shootings, even during a pandemic, which we're going to talk about a little bit in a little bit. So, I guess to answer your question with, with, a, with, a, with positivity, a system like that could work. Absolutely, it could work. We are, we are an advanced, wealthy nation. We could make something like that happen. But will it happen? I don't think so. I think we're going to be mired in the system that we have with slow upticks because politicians love to, yeah, we'll raise it to this amount, and then in a decade, we'll have another roiling fight about it rather than pin it to inflation or do something that's going to be um, moving the needle up in perpetuity. Well, I'd like to give a shout out to Steph for teaching me about something I did not know. I didn't know about it either. Yeah, I had no idea. In fact, I have Industrial Award Wikipedia opened on my computer. Yeah, I had no idea that this was a thing. So this is why we love listener communication, which is learning from other people and allowing other people to inform our worldviews because there's a lot of stuff we don't know. I know it's shocking. It seems like we know everything. We don't. So, Steph, shout out to you. Thank you so much for your email. Thank you for teaching us, uh, dropping some knowledge on us. And also, Jesse, Steph said that uh, born, grew up, grew up in the U.S. Oh. Yeah. They they said that in the email or I wasn't listening? Yeah, that's correct. I think you were Googling, trying to uh, (laughs) see what the system actually was. Sometimes I just tune out. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. That could be it. <laughs> you're you're in a certain place today and that's okay. Let's you, not let's not let's not label me. Let's not I'm not there. I said you're in a certain place. I didn't label the place. Hmm. I didn't there's no label. I am in a place, that is certain. There's a place <laughs> yeah. that I'm in. You can name it. I'm at the place. What would you want to name it? What would you name it if you could name it? Next voicemail. Okay. Another non American. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Dan in Edmonton, Canada. I'm a man of few words, but I do have uh, two words for you guys. Vaccine altruist! <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, see, yes. this is lifting my spirits. Yes. This is lifting my spirit. Listen, what made that for me was the horn. Yes. In fact, let me try to recreate it using you... From the last show. 
vaccine altruists. <laughs> he really nailed it. Yeah, I was really yelling for sure. Uh, that was loud in the headphones. Uh, no, I, I love this. Thank you for... Uh, Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. By the way, that came in right after the show posted. It was. Very shortly after the show posted. Very shortly after, and we played it many, many times. Yes. Many Vaccine times. Vaccine altruists. <laughs> Those are two separate clips. This is taking skill, because this, <laughs> that's separate. I'm I'm really, I'm doing the, the wacky morning zoo DJ, everybody. Traffic and weather to gather all the aids. You know, you do really great work around here. <laughs> You don't need to uplift my spirits, lady. I'm just saying you do great work. Come on, man. Really great work. Speaking of vaccine altruists, here's another call. Hey, guys. This is Chris from Tennessee. I'm kind of let you guys know that I received my COVID vaccine, the uh, Johnson & Johnson one. I found out last week that I'm eligible under the Phase 1C. So I went down, stood in the car line for about 45 minutes, got my jab, and then I waited my 15 minutes to leave. And ironically, my Fitbit stopped working after I got my shot. So I don't know if it has to do with the uh, chip needing to sync with my phone or not first. But anyway, <laughs> but the main reason I'm calling is I find it very funny that I got my COVID shot before Megan McCain, co-host of The View. Oh, and that's just awesome. Anyway, love the show. Have a good day. Again, don't have it at the ready. Is it because you're not prepared? I, Megan McCain, co-host of The View. Look at that. Seems like you weren't prepared, though. You're the one who's not prepared, Brittany, and I don't have a touch monitor, so I can't, I have to talk my way through it until I get I'm to it. I'm not prepared! You're the one. Uh, You're not prepared. Well, congratulations to Chris on getting the vaccine. That is fantastic. So happy that you uh, were eligible, that you got it. It's a weird flex, but, you know. Okay, bro, don't come at me. I... <laughs> Um, no, we're very happy. Chris, longtime listener, longtime supporter of the show, and happy to hear that um, he got his vaccine. Here's audio of Brittany when she got her vaccine. You're a fucking doctor, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was not. That's... Well, that was some weird shit. Okay. A million of them. See, this is what makes Jesse happy, is he starts <laughs> going on a clip spree. <laughs> so, back to Chris and the vaccine. It's I was very good. I would be interested to know if Chris feels better about things, more optimistic about things now that he is vaccinated. Well, that would that would presume that would that would be walking into it with a presupposition that he didn't feel good about it in the first place. Sure. Or maybe his mood has it improved. Yeah, has it improved? And uh, sure, I guess I guess it's I guess you're right. You're giving I me a stink eye like I'm shitting. I on you shouldn't right now. assume that everyone has been having a terrible time during this pandemic. All right, right? you're right. Of there's course, some you people, should assume that. there's some people that have been thriving and really having a great time. Hmm. So you're right. I should not assume that. This is egregious. <laughs> this is an assault. <laughs> this is an attack. Is what this is. I think you'll be okay. All right. Hey guys, it's Carissa. Um, fuck Tucker Carlson. That <laughs> fucking guy. Like, okay, like I, I, I don't want to shoot a gun, and I don't particularly want to fight for our freedoms. Like, like, because I'm scared. <laughs> so, anybody who wants to go do that on my behalf, I am super fucking grateful. Feminine. 
a pregnant woman's going to be defending our country. Yeah, and she'll do a hell of a lot more than you will, you fucking sniveling twat. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, and another point. So you guys are talking about where you're seeing your stickers. I didn't know we were supposed to spread them all around. So if you guys send me like a couple dozen more stickers, I will plaster the shit out of South Central Pennsylvania. So I'm just putting that out there. All right. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. And Popeye. Bye. Jesse, you're okay. Okay, bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I love, and I'm not being a dick, I love being an afterthought. <laughs> it is good. The original Carissa. Always good to hear from Carissa. And I guess we'll be sending you some stickers because, you know, our friend Ian from the Save Us from the Johns podcast. At Team Ian on the Twitter. He put our sticker in a very interesting spot in D.C. <laughs> he put it on a, on a, I almost said flag fucking pole, on a, on a light pole mm-hmm. right outside of Comet Comet Pizza in Washington, D.C., which was the the famed Pizzagate where these idiots claimed the conspiracy theory that there was like a, a child sex dungeon in the basement of the place that doesn't even have a basement. And then the Nutter Butter from from uh, North Carolina came in and fired a weapon in the in the goddamn place. Anyway, so now we're on the map now. Uh, yeah, we're going to be linked to it because the conspiracy theorists, I'm assuming, take tours in that area. Oh, yeah, it's, gonna... like a, it's a pilgrimage for QAnon people. Right, they're going to walk <laughs> by that light pole, see the sticker, and then wonder you what this what? is. What do you mean you doubt it? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a sign for something, I'll tell you that. So uh, anyway, listen, if you've gotten your sticker and you did put it somewhere in a high traffic area to promote the show because you're super awesome and love us, um, <laughs> we would love to see a picture of that. Yes, we would. Speaking of Tucker Carlson, uh, I, di- I did a video about it, of course, because I don't know if you guys know, but I have a YouTube channel. I do videos sometimes. Oh. And in the video, I actually like kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, I made a, a an offhand kind of a fuck you if you're such a traditionally masculine man who's not a mockery at all, then why don't you have a charity boxing match with me? Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody suggested that it would be funny if I made like a fight night t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So, so I did. I didn't because I'm a talentless hack. Uh, but I had somebody Photoshop something. Mm-hmm. And you can buy a Dollamore versus Tucker t-shirt. Yes. Go to dollamore.info. That'll take you to the Teespring store. And you can um, support the show. While buying an awesome, hilarious, the Marine versus the Mockery t-shirt. I got one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It hasn't arrived yet. It will. I haven't even gotten one. <laughs> I don't know how I feel. I'm only going to wear it on video. That's not something I wear out in public. Oh, no. It's going to be your favorite shirt. I'm sure. Yeah. It's going to be your go-to. <laughs> My go-to. Mm-hmm. I still have to get the, the podcast, the new logo. On t-shirts. Yeah, I was noticing that. It's all the uh, the old logo. You were noticing it because you're like every day you go to, to uh, the updated store and see what's going well, no, on. I got my shirt. Oh. And I noticed. Yeah. So it was, I was scrolling a lot. So I looked through all of the products. There's, I need maybe There's I a need, lot of them. So how about we do this since we're on the Teespring thing? I'm going to remove all those t- the old logo t-shirts. Oh, no, I don't think you should do that. Really? Yeah. Oh. I was going to create a sense of urgency in the audience to go get a last-minute one before they're gone. 
Yeah, well, let's talk about it. I don't like making decisions on the show, but you love doing this to me where you yeah, try to make me do it. For and sure. that's not how I make decisions. All right, all right. So, so we're not going to do that. It's never going to happen. Don't worry. Don't buy any shirts. <laughs> Everything's great. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, next call. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. I was calling because I was driving, and I literally just got done listening to your episode about where the asshole of the day was the guy from Oklahoma that made the racist comments. And I live in Oklahoma, and after having heard those comments, I am absolutely disgusted with this guy. But the point I'm calling about is I had a conversation with a guy I work with, um, an African-American fellow that, uh, you know, I have been drunk many, many times, and I have never made those kind of comments. So I am just tired of these excuses, and like him and I were talking about, you know, that, that that's a terrible excuse, and I think that, you know, he, he just needs to own it, and upfront with it. Like, he made the comments, accept that you did it, and move forward. But he, to me, is never going to. So I really, truly am hoping that he will be completely taken out of, you know, being a commentator on any of our sports, especially with me having kids that are coming up, and I don't want him commentating on any of my kids' sports, uh, you know, events in the future. Anyways, uh, I recently found you guys' podcast, and I love it, and I haven't had a chance to rate it yet, but definitely you guys are doing a great job. I love listening to you. Thank you very much. Anonymous Caller. A new, new caller. Yeah, I don't think he's anonymous by choice. I think he just spaced saying who he is oh well let us know who you are next time you call (laughs) and thank you very much for listening to the show glad that you found us definitely rate us on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts but make sure if you do it in the um itunes store apple podcast apple podcasts to not use profanity in your review. Otherwise, it won't post. The other thing is, it is interesting. I, I mean, of course, this is there. It's that this guy calls basketball games for, for children. Right. But I wonder what parents, what their reaction was. Like, this is the guy who's, like, the parents who he called their kids uh, effing inwards. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I effing it, but I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is he getting called? Like, hey... What's your fucking deal, man? Mm-hmm. Matt Rowan. Matt Rowan. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I. And I don't know that he's going to be calling games anymore. It sounds like he's done so. Well, the, the network that broadcasts the game issued a statement saying, quote, we strongly condemn Matt Rowan's racist comments and we immediately and permanently severed all ties with him and his production company as soon as we learned about the incident. He will never work with us again. We firmly back the Norman High School girls basketball team and commit to rooting out racism in high school sports and throughout our society. And there's actually attorneys that have been appearing, two prominent civil rights attorneys 
saying that they are possibly going to bring litigation against him, Matt Rowan, under torts known as the negligent infliction of emotional distress Mm. or the intentional infliction of emotional distress. And one of the attorneys made a fantastic comment about how this is actually why they kneel. This is actually... It's exactly right. So he kind of illustrated why they're doing it in the first place. Yeah. So your your racism doesn't look at them. Racism doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. F and N word. I mean, <laughs> come on, bro. Yeah, yeah. And listen, uh, there needs to be consequences for the guy. Mm-hmm. If you're doing this in the course of your professional duties, then those duties need to be stripped of you. Even if you are just a high school color commentator. Well, and one thing that's interesting about that exchange that we didn't talk about is whoever he was talking to didn't challenge him. Like, whoa. Yeah, it didn't say. Also, didn't act surprised. There wasn't surprise. There was no reaction. Maybe they were horrified. I don't know. But if someone said that in my presence, I don't think I would be quiet. I, I mean, right. It, it just seems like a weird response to be quiet in quit, the face of someone saying listen, that. quit pandering to our black audience, Brittany Page. <laughs> okay, one-star reviewer. We, okay, we need a reference. Give a reference. <laughs> you didn't listen to the last show. We read some reviews. Yeah. And one of our dickhole reviews says that uh, we've changed our, our views for the worse because we're pandering to our... Bu- I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But we're doing it because we want to... Make our black audience happy. Don't you love when the racists review the show? It's, it's very re- nice. It's real nice. Very nice. Uh, well, that's you know that's that's the benefit uh, or the downfall of having any jackass mm-hmm. be able to to interview or um, <laughs> review you. Yes, interview you for sure. Anyway, um, thank you all. I, my spirits are a little lifted. Brittany that's Page. Great. That's great news. If you too would like to sound off, we would invite you to do so. We've gotten a spate. Of new um, callers, first-time callers, and we love it. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is an independent podcast supported by listeners like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you find the show informative, entertaining, or both, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon and choose the contribution level that's right for you. We would like to thank Matt S. Matt S. Matt S. Upped the pledge. Very nice. And then we have a new Patreon supporter, The Real Console. The the Real Console. Yes. So... (laughs) Thank you to The Real Console and Matt S. We very much appreciate each and every one of our Patreon supporters. Also, those of you who give to us on PayPal, those of you who just listen to the show, those of you who rate and review the show. If you have not interacted with us, we would love for you to do so. Please put the phone number in your phone, 657-464-7609. Put the email in your phone, I doubt it at dollamore.com. Follow us on Twitter at Brittany E. Page, at Dollamore, at I Doubt It Podcast. Follow the Facebook page, I Doubt It uh, Podcast. I almost said I Doubt It with Dollamore. And why? What is that? <laughs> 
I want to give a... That name is fucking dead to me. I want to give another shout out to Ben, who is helping us now run the social media pages. For a long time, it was just uh, me and you, and mostly me. And when, when we could. Well, when you could, and then... Right. If I tweeted something I thought was funny, I would take a screenshot. Right. <laughs> uh, but now we have our good friend Ben, who is helping us run the page. So shout out to him. He's been doing a great job, even if he's making Andrew Cuomo fans deeply upset. That's right. Deeply, deeply upset. It also means that two, <laughs> two thirds of our social media team have graduate degrees. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's great. Very well-educated social media team. That's great. Uh, I'll let everybody else guess who has the graduate degrees and who does not. Okay. All right. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. You know what's going to make you feel better? I, that made me feel better. It seems like we haven't played that in a long time. <laughs> what what's going to make me feel better? Well, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about that I think is going to make you feel better. Steven Crowder. Oh yeah. Jordan Peterson. Oh, uh, Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin. Not Tucker th- Carlson. We're not going to be talking about Tucker Carlson. Oh. Um I didn't get that audio because I don't want this to be go on forever. I Although see. it would have been so funny to do so. It's okay. Why didn't I do it? You know, sometimes what we like to do on the show is talk about culture war stuff, but we'll get to that in a second because unfortunately there was a terrible mass shooting um, yesterday in Atlanta. And I want to talk about some of the concerns that I have related to what I have seen on social media today. Also something you changed your mind about. Yeah, recently. Um, I don't know why this is happening, but I have never seen a mass shooter's face and name as often as I have seen this mass shooter's face and name today. Which we're not going to say. Not going to say his name. name. And I am, I'm disturbed by it. I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it's because everyone is just so sick of talking about the pandemic that like all of their attention is on this man. Or if the media is like seeing an opportunity in everybody's kind of exhaustion with hearing about the pandemic, that they, this is something that everyone can focus on. But I, I did change my mind about it recently. I don't know when, maybe within the past year. And On the Media was a big part of it because they had a segment. It's a on, podcast, On the Media. Yeah, where they invited two journalists on, researchers, to talk about different ways that different countries report on things. And part of it was related to whether or not to name people who have committed crimes, particularly mass shooters. And they talked about these different incels who have committed mass shootings, who then become figures within the incel community online. Like uh, icons. They get named in manifestos. Right. They start to get named in manifestos. People want to do copycat shootings. They get inspired by these men to carry out these acts of terror. And that's my concern when I see this guy's face and name everywhere, especially when we haven't seen a mass shooting like this in such a long time. So I would just caution everybody. And listen, you don't need to take my word for it. Go out there read about it, you know, form your own opinion. But to me, it seems like the costs outweigh the benefit of naming the shooter. Yeah, Fox did a thing um, and CNN has done a thing. I'm just trying to think about the times that that there have been like, we're not going to name this guy. 
And I, I also used to be like, a, what's that matter? It doesn't really matter. But there's been so many instances where the shooter's name, a, a previous shooter's name, whether it be um, the, the incel guy from uh, Santa Barbara, who I know his name, I'm not going to say it, mm-hmm. uh, to all the others. I mean, the, the Christchurch shooter. I, I'm just, there, there's been so many t- instances where a, a previous shooter's name is named that it seems like the media would be fucking responsible and just be like, we're not going to show his face. We're not going to name his name. We're not going to make this fucking idiot famous. So let's talk a little bit about what happened. Uh, The police say that this man went on a rampage at three spas in the Atlanta area, killing eight people. He's been charged with eight counts of murder in connection with the attacks. They are saying that the, the shootings took the lives of six women of Asian descent and this is within the context of increasing hate crimes against right. those in the Asian American community. And so that has been an important part of the conversation today of really the fear and the hatred that has been stoked starting from the top when Donald Trump was president talking about the coronavirus being the quote unquote China virus and really creating and the Kung flu. I mean, as racist as he fucking could be, he was. Right. So the police are saying that they have not yet ruled out bias as a motivating factor, although they are not attributing. Oh, I've got clips. Yeah. You want to just go to the clips? Well, I want to say before it's we do that. pretty goddamn disgusting. The police are saying that the shooter had a sexual addiction and had carried out the shootings at the massage parlors to eliminate his, quote, temptation. Yeah, I, I love that they're just repeating what he claims as though it's fact. Yeah. Yeah. Or that it's legitimate. Right. Um, you know, and it, which, by the way, the science is not settled on whether a sex addiction is even a fucking thing. Well, yes. And also, I would say if they want to go this route and if people want to go this route, then you want to start looking at purity culture and religious teachings and how that affects boys and men. I think we talk a lot about it in the context of how it affects girls and women because they're often the targets of it. But how does it affect men in terms of how they view women, right? Yeah. As the source of their temptation. He felt the need to eliminate his temptation. Because he was horny. By killing women. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. But I don't know if you heard, Jesse, that really the main source of why he did this was actually because... Well, he was having a tough day. For the investigators, they interviewed him this morning, and I, uh, they got that impression that, yes, he, he understood um, the gravity of it, and he was pretty much fed up and kind of at the end of his rope, and, um, and yesterday was a really bad day for him, and this is uh, what he did. And remorseful? He, uh, I'm not going to go to – I don't know if he was remorseful or not. He's a pretty young guy. Uh, I don't know if he was remorseful, but I just know he was having a really bad day. I know what kind of the quality of the day he was having as a cop. Remorseful. (laughs) I can't speak to that. But bad day. Oh, Eeyore. So this Captain Jay Baker, who you heard say that that the guy had a really bad day. And Jesse, by the way, you're having a bad day today. Um, Haven't killed anybody. Did you murder people today? Or multiple people. No, uh uh-uh. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Also, not... Not sex addicted any more than any average person either. <laughs> okay. Um, I like sex a regular amount. Let's see. Also, let's talk about the framing of this. So when George Floyd, who is not a murderer of people, 
by the way. I just want to clarify that when I'm making this comparison. The way that George Floyd was talked about in the aftermath. He had fentanyl in his system. He deserved to die. That's ultimately what you heard. Right. How quick are these police officers, how quick are they to jump to, well, he has a sex addiction. He had a bad day, right? Yeah. And George Floyd's life, George Floyd, he's dispensable because, well, he had an addiction. Right. Oh, yeah. He struggled with uh, drug addiction. So, you know. Were they trying to explain that as though people should have sympathy for him? Or were they using that? Well, Brittany, there are laws against drug addiction, against drugs. There's no law against loving to get banged. Um, I'm pretty sure there is, actually. If he's paying for sex in a massage parlor, this shooter, yeah, that's uh, illegal, I would assume, in Georgia, is it? I think probably everywhere in America. So, just making that point. Other than Las Vegas, no. Nevada, it's not. But Las Vegas, it is. Yeah. Now, we're really splitting hairs here. But yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. That yeah. one one addiction, worthy of death. Sorry. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have tangled. Should have just complied. Should have complied. This guy, bad day, really horny. Well, and coming back up, what I'm saying is white man... Of course. Kills people. Yeah. It's somehow the bending over backwards to explain it in gentle terms. A black man was, what, in a car and they uh, thought he was uh, forging checks or something? They thought he passed a counterfeit bill. Right. So, I mean, come on now. And then, by the way, I don't know, uh, the way I remember it is the shopkeeper said, no, that wasn't really even the deal. Yeah, so this Captain Jay Baker, going back to this guy, he, journalists have now gone through his old posts and they found an image that he shared of t-shirts. Now, the image of the t-shirt, it's based off the Corona beer label. So the t-shirt looks like kind of a Corona beer label. And it said COVID-19. Oh, right, because coronavirus. Right. Yeah. I don't know why that was escaping me. (laughs) COVID-19 imported virus from... China, and it's written like Donald Trump says it. China. So C-H-Y-N-A. And he shared this and said, love my shirt, get yours while they last. So Mr. Having a Bad Day, seemingly unconcerned about the the eight dead, six of whom are are Asian women. Mm -hmm. Just, I mean, come on. This guy has a leadership position. He's a captain. In the sheriff's department. Yeah. And then there's this knucklehead, this next asshole, who, when asked about whether or not the motive was racism, said, eh, I don't know. He said sex addiction. We're going to really listen to him. We're going we're gonna to take his lead on what the motivation was. Uh, he, we did interview him last night. He is currently in our facility at the Cherokee County Adult Detention Center. Uh, we were able to interview him uh, with the Atlanta Police Department and the FBI. Um, he made indica- uh, ind- indicators that um, uh, he has uh, some, some issues, uh, potentially uh, sexual addiction, and um, uh, may have frequented some of these places in the past. And, um, and, but as the chief indicated, it's still early on. We still have a lot of uh, uh, things to process. And um, so uh, he should be at an arraignment tomorrow at some time early uh, morning uh, uh, to uh, late morning. And we will keep you up 
to date. We have a press release that Captain Baker has put together uh, available to our, our media folks. Uh, if you don't have that, I think we have some printed copies that he'll be uh, happy to give to you. Uh, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have sure. at the moment. So are you saying, when you talk to the suspect, mm-hmm. he says he has a sexual addiction, addiction issue, but I'm sure you asked him, was this racially motivated? Was this racially motivated? Um, as the chief indicated, uh, it's still early, but uh, the indicators right now are, uh, uh, it, it may not be. Uh, it may be targets of opportunity. Uh, again, we are, we believe that he frequented these places in the past and um, uh, may have been lashing out, uh, and part of that is, is in your media packet as well. But the working theory is a sexual addiction issue rather than a, a, a racial profile. Uh, uh, it, during our interviews, uh, we asked that specific question, and uh, and that did not appear to be uh, the motive. For, 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 yes. Thank you. Yeah, because a guy who's being interviewed about the the multiple people that he murdered, he's gonna always gonna tell the truth. The indicators, meaning when we talked to him, he said no, race wasn't a factor. Come on, well, these that, are dumb fucks. That's why it's important. <laughs> that's why it's important to look at the context. Too much. It, well. It, it's how I'm feeling. That's why it's important to look at the context in which this is happening. <laughs> and according to the organization Stop AAPI Hate, that's Asian American Pacific Islanders, um, found nearly 3,800 reported hate incidents targeting Asian Americans in the past year. And again, this is largely attributed to the scapegoating over COVID-19 in the past year primarily because of Donald Trump starting at the top, like we already talked about. And so given the increases in verbal harassment, physical assaults of Asian Americans that we've seen, that's the context that we're operating in here. And so it's tough to look at the situation and say, did this happen completely unrelated to race? That seems hard to believe. At this point. Well, it seems at the very least, giving all the fairness and charity that is allowable here, too early to say anything, too early to release sexual addiction as a possibility. It's too early for anything. You just say, we're in the process of interviewing. We'll let you know more details when we have them. You don't say, well, he says he was sexually addicted, y'all. I mean, come on. I've seen many great tweets today. Many great tweets. So much support for the um, Asian community. And I've seen a lot of discussion about racism, about misogyny. And I'm so glad that there's so many people that are having these conversations because it's important when something like this happens to talk about white supremacy, to talk about misogyny. Um, I was reminded of a quote by Margaret Atwood. When she says, men are afraid women will laugh at them. Women are afraid men will kill them. Yeah. And when you have a captain of a sheriff's department saying that the person who just committed a mass shooting had a bad day. I mean, you have a responsibility, bro, to take your job seriously. You're in a position of power. You're speaking to a room of journalists, into a microphone, into he, cameras. He has the ultimate position of power because he he wields the authority of life and death over citizens. It's power. Also, 
you're in the business of law enforcement. Yeah. I mean, you pull someone over for speeding and they tell you they've had a bad day. Is that justification? You're also saying that, well, he, look, he understands. He understands what happened. He, he was having a bad day. Just, you know, he, he cut somebody off in traffic. No, he murdered eight people. Yeah. He slaughtered eight people. And there are reports that there were other plans in place for uh, uh, targets in Florida. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a bad day. Mm-hmm. He bought his gun the same day he was having a bad day. No cooling off period. No seven day waiting period in Georgia. Yeah, there's no cooling off period, no waiting period to purchase a firearm under Georgia state law. And it has been confirmed by uh, officials in the media that he purchased the nine millimeter handgun that was used in yesterday's shooting he purchased it legally, and it was purchased yesterday prior to the shooting. Mm. So he wanted the gun to commit an act of terror. He went and bought the gun. He had the gun. He committed the act of terror. So let me say this. Every time there's a mass shooting, dickhole Republicans say, well, every piece of legislation that's ever proposed wouldn't have stopped this one. A federal Seven-day waiting period very well would have stopped this one. Maybe give him some time to be less horny. Sensible gun legislation and restrictions work the world over. And it's only because of, calling back to what we talked about earlier, American politicians want to focus on shit that doesn't matter rather than the problem that does. These are solvable issues that have been solved all across the fucking planet. And we refuse as Americans to do so. So we're going to keep following the story and uh, we would love to hear from you guys, particularly on the issue of naming the shooter. I know there's different perspectives on that. Even on the on the media episode, they covered uh, different countries, different approaches to reporting on it. So I know that there are different uh, philosophies out there. 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. So the other things that we wanted to talk about today are the the mighty machismo culture warriors mm. in America. Of course, the Grammys were on Sunday, and uh, Cardi B and Megan The Stallion, is it The Stallion or The Stallion? It's The, I learned. Because whenever I hear her say it, it sounds like she's just saying Megan The Stallion. The. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is The. Yes. Not The. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. It's written as The. Oh, but it's The. Yeah. Okay, that's way easier. Because mm-hmm. you got to take a beat before you get the The in there. Yeah. Um, That was a little aside. For everybody's entertainment. They performed at the Grammys <laughs> a fantastic performance of WAP, uh, Wet Ass Pussy. Very tiring, it seemed. It was, a, I thought it was a fantastic performance. I've watched it twice. It seemed very out of breath. There was golf clapping happening in the room and not a lot of audience in attendance. Well, COVID. Yes, but it was a little strange to see Cardi B performing. And, and not have the crowd go wild. Yeah, yeah. It was a little strange. <laughs> so, 
Uh, of course, there was going to be outrage on the internet the next day, and uh, several people got in the on, on the action. But there was one particular case of Dave Rubin, who works for the Blaze now. He works for Glenn Beck. Hmm. They fired Tommy Laren for going on the View and saying she was pro-choice. Mm-hmm. But Dave Rubin gets to go on and say all of this, and it's okay. But I think the juxtaposition of that and the woman dancing in the shoe with the money flying at her, the juxtaposition of that versus some of the things that we've canceled recently, some of the things we have said are too dangerous to continue while we're talking about WAP, which stands for wet ass pussy and she's got the bucket and the whole thing. Now, again, I'm not saying that shouldn't (laughs) be allowed. She's got a wet pussy. What are you going to do about it? So fine, um, but the strange way we deal with cancel culture, the strange de- way that the mainstream version of everything that we get is so out of whack with reality. So we took out Mr. Potato Head because of because he was a mister, and now he's just Potato Head. He's got no gender, even though really his gender was only decided whether you put the mustache on him, although I'm pretty sure girls can have mustaches now. Um, and the point is that we get rid of all of these things, and then we say, oh, but... The woman with the leaking pussy and the bucket and the mop and the whole thing and the girl dancing in the shoe, that that's all okay. <sighs> Come on. Oh, he's giving me so much ammunition. So She's got a wet pussy. What are you going to do about it? You have to pay attention to the language here when you're listening to this because he was saying, we're canceling Mr. Potato Head. You're right. We're canceling it. Using we are doing this. That it's not Mattel or Hasbro or whatever company runs the the potato head empire well also you can still get a mr potato head you can still get yeah, that. they come with the mustache it's they're calling it potato head yeah it's the company making a decision there was no movement there was no petition started online to remove the mr from potato head the company decided to do it so when he says we and this is they're very they're very artful in how they make these arguments if you're if you're not paying attention, it's artful. <laughs> but if you're, that's right, well, for his audience, it's artful. If you're paying attention, they're idiots. If you're paying attention, then it's easy to hear that and think to yourself, "Wait a minute, who's we?" And then his whole argument is meaningless. Yeah, because that's the basis that that society is saying the performance of WAP is this work of art that all children need to see. They need to feast their eyes on this. But then that same society is saying, we can't have Mr. Potato Head. Do you see how the society is inconsistent and illogical? Where were we? You were listening to a clip of some woman on Fox News saying that they're teaching WAP in schools. That was Candace Owens. Oh, it was Candace Owens. Yeah. Oh, I should have gotten that clip. Yeah. Well, she's saying that schools don't teach history anymore. They teach wet ass pussy. I don't remember the phrase that she used, but she was insinuating that that Cardi B is like a a model in school now, and I don't know right. that her influence is so tremendous in schools. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. But Dave Rubin has a job with Glenn Beck, though. The woman with the leaking pussy and the bucket and the mop. Bring a bucket and a mop. They love the bucket and the mop, don't they? They seem to really gravitate they to love that. it. I wonder why. So it is Culture War Central here on the show in the last hours here. Um, or the last hours. What am I setting us up for? Yikes. Uh, the other thing is that Jordan Peterson's back on the scene. Mm-hmm. Everybody. He wrote another book. <laughs> oh, did he write another book? Mm-hmm. Extolling the virtues of his advice. 
Yes. When he, by his own admission, his life is out of control. Mm-hmm. That he can't snap out of it, so to speak. Well, so his new book title is Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. And he's close to people like Dave Rubin, who you just heard. He's gone on Dave Rubin's show multiple times. I Dave think- Rubin opened up for him on, on tour. Yeah, I think that he actually has gone on Dave Rubin's show to promote this latest book. And so Jordan Peterson, Jordan B. Peterson, has been making the rounds. He was gone for a while because he uh, reportedly was struggling with a benzodiazepine addiction. And he was in a coma in Russia. Uh, a lot of crazy things were happening for like him. A, like a medically induced coma to wean him off the, off the addiction, apparently. I honestly haven't read enough about it to know. There was an article that I really wanted to read, and it was behind a paywall. So apparently, I didn't want to read it enough. Right. But, uh, you know, he has his daughter, Michaela Peterson, and she's kind of this, uh, like, pseudoscience person who has been championing this all-meat diet. All meat. That's all you eat is meat. Right. Not a dietitian, not a scientist, not a, not a, a medical professional. Yeah. She's just Jordan Peterson's daughter. And apparently she says that it like cured an autoimmune disease or it cured some sort of issues that she had. Mm, And mm -hmm. so now she makes money peddling the pseudoscience to people. And Jordan Peterson is on this diet. He's on the all meat diet. All he eats is meat and all he drinks is sparkling water. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't sound very healthy. That'll, That'll cure you. It doesn't sound like a great diet. And... Like we said, he's he's written this second book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. And he was on with Brett Weinstein, actually. Brett Weinstein, again, was uh, <laughs> he's in the intellectual dark web. We've talked about him a few episodes ago. He was on with Bill Maher um, advocating for the conspiracy theory that COVID-19 was created in a lab in China. So here's Jordan B. Peterson and Brett Weinstein having a conversation about where Jordan Peterson currently is in his life. The, jo- the same Jordan Peterson who just wrote a book trying to extol advice to people. But I mean, I think, you know, I know your audience and they will, they'll accept you any way you can show up for them. And I think, you know, the key thing is to figure out how to get out of the predicament of having to go through that Herculean struggle every day. Yeah, well, it's beyond, I've been struggling with it for two years. I can't get out of it. I can't. Well, I mean... I'm out of it to some degree. I'm living at home again. I'm not in the hospital. But the reason I'm not in the hospital is because there's nothing that can be done for me in the hospital. Like, there's no point in me going to a hospital. It will just make it worse. When I wake up in the morning, like, any sensible person would go to the emergency room and say, look, this is, there's just, this just isn't possible. But it's irrelevant because all that will happen, and I've been in, like, four hospitals, so I know. All that (laughs) happens is I'm made much worse. And so... wow. I live in 15-minute increments, fundamentally. Wow. Well, um, if they're going to come after you for succeeding and for people doing, you know, what what they can in order to, well, I live get you such to keep a, going. I live such a sybaritic existence. I drink sparkling water and nothing else ever. And I eat nothing but meat, ever. And so my luxuries, this is so... Com- com- it's so... Absurd. My luxuries have been um, high-end toothpicks and sparkling water. (laughs) So 
I know that the thing about the four hospitals, um, it is it is comical in a way, but it's also really sad listening to this. And it's sad. Oh, he's a broken guy. I'm not laughing at his situation. I'm laughing at this guy who's held up as a paragon of logic being radically illogical. That I've been in four hospitals, so I know all about all hospitals. Well, and he's also turned into a self-help guru of sorts. He's kind of created that image of himself where he can uh, dispense advice and people look to him to solve their problems and they they find his his books really valuable in terms of giving them advice for how they should live their own lives. And then here he is saying that he lives his life in 15-minute increments because that's what it takes in order to get through. Ultimately, this entire clip was him saying... I can't snap out of it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Right, which seems to be, uh, frankly, the opposite of what at least he tried to make his his first book, right? Like the importance of getting up and making your bed and right. setting intentions and, um, you know, bringing control back into your life. And he's also a psychologist. And yeah. I would find it... <laughs> harmful to sit in his presence in a therapeutic setting and i hope that this isn't an approach that he brings to therapy when he's sitting with patients which i don't think he does but uh i i think i would be more empathetic to him because this guy is he's a broken guy and it's a sad existence that he's living right now and I think I'd be more empathetic if it weren't for the fact of the damage that he's done to so many people and the bigotry that he's displayed to the trans community, for one. I would be more like, ah, yeah, fuck. It's a rough time this guy's having. But he's he's a net negative for humanity. He's a bummer, this guy. He creates more destruction in his wake than positivity. Mm-hmm. Well, and I just I googled Jordan B. Peterson therapy in order to determine if he like how recently he was seeing people, and I, I don't know. But one of the first thing that comes up is a video from him: what good therapy is and isn't. And he's ans- answering a question from a Patreon supporter about what your advice is for finding a sane, sound therapist. And it's concerning that he's in this place. And listen, yeah. I'm not saying that therapists need to be perfectly mentally healthy at all times they're human beings they're not going to be but the deal is if you are in an influential position which jordan b peterson has created this massive platform where he has the ability to influence people he was making a 70 or eighty thousand dollars a month at one point it's time to take a step back don't worry about promoting your new book i'm sure it will sell without you promoting it Send a link on Twitter. Brett Weinstein can send a link out. Yeah. Okay. Everyone Dave will, Rubin. Everyone will help you out. Get it to the intellectual dark web people. But like take a step back and worry about fixing what's happening for you so that you don't need to live your life in 15 minute increments, gripping the handles, just trying to get by and survive. Yeah. Because that's not, that's not a good place to come from when you're giving advice. Well, this only led to another moment where he's, saying some of the most ridiculous shit in the world relative, again, to medicine and and the medical profession. I suspect if you did these statistics properly, I suspect that that medicine, independent of public health, 
kills more people than it saves. I suspect if you if you factor in phenomena like the development of superbugs in hospitals, for example, that overall the net consequence of hospitals is negative. Now that's just a guess, and but it's and and it could easily be wrong, but it it also could not be wrong, and that is a good example or. A good, that's where my thinking about what we don't know has taken me with regards to the critique of what we do. The fact that it's even plausible is a stunning. Well, fact. you know, medical error is the third leading cause of death. Yep. You know, and that doesn't take into account the generation of superbugs, for example. The generation of superbugs or, you know, if you're thinking broadly about it, um, let's. I don't know where you stand on this issue, but I have been um, tracking the lab leak hypothesis for COVID. And it is very distressing to me that as much as it's an unsettled question, the evidence for the lab leak gets stronger over time. All of the competing hypotheses fall one by one and are replaced by some alternative that hasn't yet been falsified. But that's very ominous to me. And if this is the case, if this was a, a bug that was modified in the lab through gain-of-function research and escaped, then you have to add that to the balance sheet with respect to the costs of medical errors because it looks like if this was a, an escapee from the Wuhan lab, that it was an escapee from experiments designed to create a vaccine to protect us from future coronaviruses. So we can't say that with specificity, but if we look at the circumstantial evidence of what was being studied, how it was being studied, and what the likely purpose of those investigations were, then this is, you know, the mother of all self-inflicted wounds, and it is uh, downstream of naive thinking about the cost-benefit ratio of enhancing the infectivity of uh, viruses. This is dangerous. First of all, Brett and Eric Weinstein believe that they are both being robbed of Nobel Prizes <laughs> because of their, their, their ideas. And, and, and then one of their wives also, they believe, has come up with Nobel Prize level genius that she's being stripped of and robbed of. Well, that would be Brett's wife, Heather. Right? Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, good for them. Idiots. Feel, they feel really good about themselves, and that's nice to <laughs> yeah, have confidence do. and self-esteem. Um, but yeah, you know, you sit around and listen to Jordan B. Peterson and Brett Weinstein talk, and they talk very authoritatively. They talk slow and methodic. and um, It fools a lot of people. They sound, they sound very convincing. They sound like people that you may want to listen to. I mean, whatever Brett was saying at the end there kind of fell apart and <laughs> turned into a little bit of a word salad, I think, but um, that's going to happen, I guess. I think that with Jordan B. Peterson, I hope that people are starting to take a step back and think, okay, this person that I had had up on a pedestal is just like everybody else. You mean it's not super convincing when he says, well, my guess, I guess it could be wrong, but it could also not be wrong. You mean that's not genius? Yeah. That's not like life-changing, Tony Robbins, motivational, make-your-bed-in-the-morning-12-rules kind of genius? Well, he's been to four hospitals. He knows what hospitals do. The, the net consequence of hospitals is negative. Yeah. 
It could be wrong, but could it, it could also not be wrong. Well, and again, you have to put this in the context what? of... You have to put this in the context of people who are peddling pseudoscience. Yeah. And Jordan B. Peterson promotes all of his daughter's pseudoscientific bullshit. Yeah. So this is the business that they're in. They will speak as though they are scientists, and then in the same breath, talk about things that are not supported by scientific evidence. Also, that are not in their expertise, which is not what credible scientists do. Yeah. So I... I don't know. I just, I want people to take a step back. I know that we're kind of preaching to the choir here. Everyone in the audience likely. Um, Except has, for that one who reviewed us. Has an, uh, a certain opinion about Jordan B. Peterson and maybe it's not favorable. Although I've met people that don't hate him. Like some of the things that he says. Find him interesting. Whatever it might be. And I just hope that people are starting to consider that maybe the things that he has to say aren't all that great or worthwhile or beneficial and can actually, in fact, be very damaging. Yeah, they're not compelling. He's not a compelling, intelligent figure. He's a, he, he is a, he's a charlatan. He is, he is, a, he is a self-appointed guru. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Suspicious of anyone who is a guru. That's what people should be, is suspicious of these people who try to become a guru-like figure. Yeah. <laughs> Never a good situation. Doesn't seem to work out very well. Always warrants suspicion. Especially a guy who says he can't snap out of it. Nope, it's, I can't. I cannot do it. I'm, I'm drinking seltzer water, and I'm eating a lot of meat. And I still feel really sick, and the hospitals won't help me. And luxury toothpicks... That's what my life's all about now. I wonder if the hospitals have said, sir, have you considered eating some greens? You know, some there's fruits. There's this newfangled thing called fucking broccoli. You might want to check it out. I mean, it's a tasty treat. It is actually a really tasty treat. You can even like sprinkle some bacon bits on it. Huh. Well, half and half there. Mm-hmm, yeah. A little, a little compromise, Jordan exactly. Peterson. Yeah, compromise. <laughs> We would love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone or a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've never communicated with the show before, we'd love to hear from you. We'd also invite you to support the show, help produce the show. You can go to um, patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. There's so many ways to get there, Brittany with the redirects and the different websites. So we'll just go with the old fashioned patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. You could also choose to support the show by buying a, an old, uh, I doubt it podcast shirt. I doubt it with Dollamore podcast shirt that will be there until, you know, we figure out how long they're going to be there. Get something in return other than the sweet, sultry sounds of our voices in your ears twice a week. Anyway, we love you guys. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.